from Kirkco Media. Hi, this is part three of our Corona Psychology edition of Medicine We're Still Practicing. I'm Bill Curtis. I'm alone in our disinfected studio. I'll be Zoom connecting with my co-host and guests, and the advice is necessary for all of us. Whether or not a politician tells us that for the sake of restarting the economy, it's safe to re-inject ourselves into crowds, offices, and restaurants, it makes sense that until a vaccine is available, many of us are going to be physically distant and home together for months to come. So we're focusing this edition on investing in our relationships during a pandemic. By the way, if you'd like to stay around after the show and participate in an exercise for you and your significant other, it's worth it. And we'll remind you at the end. My doctor buddy and co-host is on the line. He's put in 14-hour days in the front lines of this pandemic battle, running the ICU for Providence Medical Center. He is quadruple board certified in internal medicine, pulmonary disease, critical care, and neurocritical care, Dr. Stephen Tabak. How you holding up, doctor? So far, so good. Good to see you, at least uh, remotely. Anything uplifting happened this week, Steve? Actually, um, what we're noticing, at least in our local community in Burbank, it seems like we have a little plateau in terms of the number of COVIDs that are coming in. So we don't want to you know, rush to any real conclusions yet, but it certainly was a calmer, uh, more peaceful week than what we've seen in the past. And I think that means that our social distancing is actually working. I'll know more next week because you know, one week does not really a trend make, but we're very encouraged by it. It was only six weeks ago or eight weeks ago when we had 15 cases in the U.S. Do we really want to all go back into crowds? To quote uh, Dr. Fauci, he said, as soon as you start seeing that plateau and you see the flattening of the curve, that's the time when you really want to work on your distancing. Because absolutely, if we just relax our stance, as soon as the curve flattens, we're going to be right back in the mess that we were in when this whole thing first began. So we really need to pay attention to our own health, our own families, and our own lives, make our own good decision, and be careful. So let's bring in our special guest, Mary Kay Cochero. She's the certified Imago Relationship Therapist. She's been working with couples and families for over 25 years. She utilizes encounter-centered couples therapy for communication, conflict resolution, anxiety, and depression. Her expertise is needed more than ever these days. Welcome, Mary Kay. Are you doing okay? <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Bill. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. Um, you know, it's not a merry-go-round. It's a roller coaster. And just like all the people I'm working with, there are good days and there are days that are more challenging than others. So it would seem that there are different types of couples that we've got listening today. We've got new couples where they're together all the time for the first time, and it's all good. And we've got old couples. They're together now more than they're used to being together. We've got the loving, sexually active, but together now all day and all night, and all day and all night, and all day and all night. We've got couples that were already stressed pre-pandemic and pre-safer at home. Then we've got couples with kids and we've got couples that were kind of getting ready for divorces, but they're together all the time. And then we've got couples that are running out of things to talk about. So let's, let's address the different couples for just a minute. So the couples that are running out of things to talk about, let's start there. 
Mary Kay, how do we manage that kind of situation? Well, first of all, let's be clear that when we talk about couples, we're talking about two people. There are couples who are trying to homeschool their children and to tutor them and clean the house and cook and all of this without the help of secretaries and nannies and housekeepers and teachers. So there's an awful lot of stress. There are also people who are unemployed who really have too much time on their hands and they really are feeling bored and lethargic and they're beginning to ruminate and and worry and, and sink into a bit of depression. So I'm seeing high anxiety in the couples that I'm working with. And I'm also seeing um, some slipping into some lethargy and depression from others. And, you know, so much of what is going to happen between two people is contingent upon what's happening in each of those individuals. You know, so depending on how strong the couple is, like what you were saying, if a couple already has some cracks, Bill, I'm seeing those cracks widen. Uh, One of the things we know is that the divorce rates in the Asian countries that are a little bit ahead of us in this uh, journey have had higher divorce rates. When I think about that, I think it's really to the point of what you said, which is that these are probably couples where there was already uh, some discontent, couples that weren't getting along, who don't communicate well, and certainly being locked down together intensifies all of that. Is this also maybe a life and death experience? So people suddenly start reassessing what's important. Uh, Is that that kind of motivator or is it just a stress reaction that you're seeing? I think that when we are under existential threat, as we are now, that it accelerates our decision making. Kind of like when I have a couple I'm working with and somebody's diagnosed with cancer. You know, suddenly it's the stakes are higher. People start to think, if this is all I've got left, is this the way I want to spend it? Now, in my world, we see in the intensive care unit how families, um, as well as practitioners, that this kind of stress tends to bring out the best as well as the worst in various individuals. Have you seen the same with respect to the couples? Absolutely. I've been getting a lot of requests to help people to let go of the marriage in a very conscious way, a less stressful way. And conversely, I've seen a lot of couples really grow closer because they're depending on each other. They're reprioritizing what's actually important. They're spending time with their children, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. They're really hyper-focused on family, and that improves the relationship. Have you seen challenged couples because of this situation get together? I absolutely have. I've seen couples really let go of some of their petty differences in the face of this more important life-threatening situation. You know, when you talked about the fact that suddenly we have this existential uh, threat that we're facing, when you think about our lives and the things that seem to be so important day in and day out, and you're saying that people now are sort of redefining what's really important, what can you do in your couple's therapy that can help people continue to focus on what's important once this pandemic is over? My fear is we're all going to just go right back to our same superficial lives, focusing on those things that are really unimportant. And yet I somehow think, as terrible as this is, that it's an opportunity globally for us to start learning and focusing on really what's important as human beings. Initially, I think we experience this as acute stress. This was new, it was different, it was frightening, it required a lot of transitioning. 
And now people are starting to say things like, well, this isn't a sprint anymore. It's a marathon. You know, this is going to last longer than we initially uh, anticipated, and it's going to require a new normal. Do you find that the external stress that's placed on us in some couples is bringing them together and in other couples has exactly the opposite effect? It ends up being kind of a transference sort of thing where you end up putting stress into the relationship where the actual stress is outside. Absolutely, because I find that um, a lot of people aren't very fluent in their articulation of what's actually going on emotionally for them. This is not created in a pandemic. You know, our adaptation to stress happens in our childhood, but then we carry it into our adulthood. And most of the time, we can manage and have a mature cortex. You know, that's called our adult brain. The toddler brain is the reactive part of the brain. We're all in toddler brain, more or less, right now, because the threat is so uh, unusual. It's so different than anything we've experienced before. So we're having to adjust. And the thing that I am hopeful about, back to what you had asked, Steve, about, you know, is it possible that we're going to actually use this as an opportunity to change, is that I think if couples manage the stress right now together, they can begin to heal some of the dysfunctional adaptive patterns that they have, and they can really get through this stronger. Give us a little uh, window into your technique. A couple comes to you for the first time. They're having lots of anxiety, stress, and, and interpersonal conflict because of it. What do you do? Under these unique circumstances where there's a pandemic and you're talking to them on Zoom. Thank God we have this technology because I'm not sure what would be happening if we didn't. It's a good question, though, Steve, and I, I did actually have a brand new couple yesterday. They came in really, like a lot of couples uh, due to, to marriage counseling, really ready to let me know what is wrong with the other person. You know, that's typically the way couples come to counseling, you know. Right. Let me talk first so I can tell you what's actually the problem. It's him. Or it's her. And they actually want you to be judge and jury and tell the other person how guilty they are. Well, exactly. So in the beginning, there's a little bit of education that goes on. Um, Usually couples are quite shocked when I say, look, I don't see your relationship as a problem to be solved. And I certainly don't see it as my job to solve that problem. I think you're on a journey. It's a beautiful, long, complicated journey, and it looks to me like you don't have the right tools to go on that journey very effectively. So what I can do is join you on your journey for a period of time. I can be like your guide in the jungle. I can help you learn some different tools to be together in a loving way. And the most important thing is to help couples to be able to talk about difficult things, to talk about big emotions. Uh, and stay connected, because most of us don't know how to do that. So let's take a look at this journey, this, let's say, four-month COVID journey. How do you go about talking specifically about that four-month journey to help people get through it? Where I start with couples is where I would start specifically right now um, with all this tension and stress that we were describing, which is that I collect their wildest dreams for the relationship and it really throws them off because they don't go to couples therapy thinking that someone's going to ask them to set the highest intention for their relationship but i always start there because i want to know who these people are 
in the essence of their beings. I want to know who they are without the fight that they're currently engaged in. But what a great thing to do. Why did they get married, you know? It sets that expectation. It lets them know what their real expectations are, what their, what their goals are, that they both have probably talked about early on, maybe when they first met, and have forgotten. Absolutely. They, they say things like, in my wildest dream, we love each other. We treat each other with respect. We listen deeply. We accept our differences. We support each other. We have fun. We have laughter. We make love. You know, they say these kinds of things that, and you will see the anger and the disappointment that they started the session with just begin to melt. The smiles come. You'll see the little hand slip over to take the others. There's a, there's a going back to our essence and why we're fighting for this marriage to begin with that really is very disarming. Like couples will, at the end of the first session, go, oh, we didn't expect to talk about that. You know? Wow, very it, powerful. It is also said to them, I don't care about your fight. Your fight is not who you are. Your fight is the survival suit you're pulling on because you don't know what else to do. As a couple, how does each person recognize fear and stress in the other? Rather than feel that the anger is directed at them, how do they realize that it's this situation? And then what do they do about that? Let me tell you a little bit about the process that does help people, number one, start taking responsibility for themselves, uh, and number two, allows them to really hear each other. You know, as humans, we have a way of listening just long enough to hear what triggers us, and then we'll either interrupt, or if we're very civilized, we'll just start thinking about our response and we'll wait our turn, but we're not listening anymore. And you can't listen unless you're fully present. It is also teaching people mindfulness, you know, how to be fully present with their partner. So let me tell you something about the science of connection. This is neurobiology. When any two people sit across from each other and gaze into each other's eyes at an 18 inch distance, the reactive parts of their brains calm down. So by having them sit close and gaze into one another's eyes at an 18-inch distance, the biology, the neurobiology of connection begins to occur. Then we also know that that close, they can touch, they can hold hands. Skin-to-skin -skin contact releases oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone. So now you have them gazing, you have them touching, and you teach them how to breathe so that they can relax their bodies and let the cortisol, those stress hormones go away so that they can feel safe in their connection with one another. And you can get couples that are really having challenges that have gotten to the point of anger go through that exercise. Couples at their core want the same thing. I mean, we're all human. We're wired biologically for connection. So these are actual physical tools. Is there a psychological tool that you can give them they're at each other's throats. They're not going to go into this exercise where they're just going to take a deep breath and become mindful. I, I also teach couples to take a time out because sometimes, you know, we will get reactive with our partner and anything we're going to say next is not going to be helpful. When that happens and you know you can see consciously that you're in that dynamic, like here we go again, we've already had this argument 55 times, to just call a time out to just say, oh, we're in our toddler brain right now. Let's take a time out. Let's go for 20 minutes. The neuroscience tells us it takes 20 minutes 
for the cortex to come back online so you can actually talk and hear and listen and be sane with each other. And let's take that time out and when we come back, let's apply better tools to our communication so that we don't just get in another argument. And then my job is to teach them those better tools. As far as taking a time out, let's take a quick time out <laughs> and we'll be right back. A moment of your time. A new podcast from Kurt Co Media. Currently 21 years old, and today I felt like I'm magic extended from her fingertips down to the you base of my spine. You have to take care spine. of yourself because the world needs you and Trust your Trust me, voice. every do-gooder that asked about me was ready to spit on my dream. Her fingers were facing me. You can feel like your purpose and your worth is really being questioned. going to stop me from playing the piano. She buys walkie-talkies. Wonders to whom she should give the second device. Cats don't love humans. We never did. We never will. We just find one. The beauty of rock climbing is that you can only focus on what's right in front of you. And so our American life begins. We may need to stay apart, but let's create together. Available on all podcast platforms. Submit your piece at kirkcocom slash a moment of your time. We're back with relationship therapist Mary Kay Cochero and, of course, Dr. Stephen Tabak. What can a couple do sort of as a unit to improve their situation? With COVID-19 and being locked down together, it's very, very important to find ways to meditate, to do yoga, to do those practices, breath work, those things that we know scientifically increase our capacity to be resilient in the face of stress. Let's face it, we just have a lot more stress right now than we would have normally. I think that a lot of couples are really struggling right now because this situation is experienced as trauma. What I'm finding in a lot of people is that this, this virus is really uh, reminding or recapitulating those traumas um, that people have experienced earlier in life. And what's a trauma? A trauma is when we are helpless and immobile against a threat. And so the exact counteraction to that is mobility. People have to move right now. They have to go for those walks. They have to go on bike rides. They have to plug in some sort of app on their computer where they can lift weights or do yoga or something. Mobility is so, so important. So exercise actually affects your psychological well-being and your relationships? 100%. And there are a number of uh, videos available online that show you how to do couples yoga which is something I always have a psychologist come in and teach at my weekend couples retreats when we're able to do them in person. Because couples yoga is a way for individuals to do yoga while physically depending on their partner. So there's a lot of leaning into each other, supporting each other's weight. If you can just put on an app to do some couples yoga, you get both the physical benefit of the exercise itself, but you also get the psychological and relational component of doing it together. Can we talk about a specific situation here? The dinner table. After a few months of isolation, you're going to run out of stuff to talk about. How do you help couples figure out how to get through that where it doesn't seem like a, a time to feel guilty about your lack of creativity or ability to come up with something interesting to talk about? If a couple's 
talk at dinner is pretty centered on what did we do today? What did you do? What did you have for lunch? Then of course those topics are gonna dry up because we're together all day. There's nothing new. There's nothing I can inject that I did today that my partner didn't witness because he was you know, at the desk across the room. So there isn't that much new and different to talk about, but it's really a perfect opportunity to go to deeper topics. And one book that some of my couples are working out of right now is by Dr. John Gottman, who's uh, the leading researcher on what makes marriages succeed and fail for the last 30 years. He's got a book called Eight Dates. There's eight chapters, and each chapter has a very long series of questions about one topic. So for example, I think chapter one is about trust and there's a lot of really deep probing questions to get to know your partner and their feelings and ideas around trust. And then each chapter is a different exploration that you and your partner can do. So I think it's an opportunity to find deeper conversations. Let's say that you're someone who's lost your job in this environment. If you're really in danger because you've lost your job and there are not a lot of jobs around, how do you deal with this problem when you have a couple in front of you where one of them is used to being the provider and the other one might still have his or her job, but there's definitely a money issue and it's starting to divide them? So... I might say to you, my spouse who's lost their job, I appreciate that you are out of work right now, but you are really pitching in around the house and helping me with the things that need to be done and that you've taken on the very dangerous task of going to the grocery store for us and you're taking responsibility for the children's homeschooling. You know, because a person who feels bad about having lost their usual job might need to hear that you notice the stuff that they're taking on instead. Is that often what you find, is that they might be worried about money and they might have lost their job and that they would just pitch in and help? Or do you find that very often they go into a shell and feel bad all the time and are even less help than usual? Well, you know, it's interesting because one of the questions that I've been asked has been, how do you know when symptoms are starting to occur that are really beyond what you would expect in a pandemic. You know, when are those symptoms getting serious enough that you might actually recommend people to pick up a phone and and connect with a therapist or call a hotline? And I, I think that your question goes to that issue, Bill, which is that if someone is not able to pivot or transition, if they're really sinking into some sort of lethargy or depression and they're unable to pitch in in other ways because they feel so depressed about money or about their job, I think that would be a really good time to reach out for some professional help. Let's talk about a different type of couple for just a minute. I would be willing to bet that there were couples that met a couple three months ago on Bumble and they were starting to get interested in each other and all of a sudden now uh, they're quite separated. What would be some of your Uh, suggestions to them if they were excited about a relationship to try to keep this alive and going in a positive place and who knows when exactly they're going to get together well what an opportunity for them because they really do have an opportunity to get to know one another in communicating about important things 
without all the fuzziness of that sexual attraction, which actually pulls us away from truly getting to know someone. I mean, how many times have we been totally sexually attracted to someone in the beginning? We really establish the relationship based on that sexual attraction. Then those hormones and chemicals wear off we look across the space and suddenly we're with this person that we're completely incompatible with. We don't want the same things. We're hardly even in the same ballpark, but man, wasn't it great those first six months when we were having a lot of sex. So I think this is a great opportunity for couples to really get to know each other without all that physical connection right now. We are wired for connection. We cannot socially distance. What we can do is physically distance. That's a distinction. If we could sure. call this physical distancing, but social connection, that creates a different feel, doesn't it? It's a little less punitive what we're going through right now. So there are lots of ways to be socially connected. I mean, I'm having a dinner party tonight. We've got four couples coming onto these little squares on Zoom. Will we get to hug? No, but we'll get to look into each other's eyes and we'll get to laugh and we'll get to talk. And so that social connection with physical distancing. So there's still a lot people can do to connect. What are some good ways for you to tell your spouse that you need space without giving them the impression that what you really need is space from them? You might need space from them. You know, you, you might. I think healthy relationships have a lot of connection, but they also have a lot of individuation, which means I can, I can be who I am and I can feel respected and honored for who I am separate from you. These couples that are all glommed on to each other are not any healthier than the ones who have no connection at all. Actually, I think a really good dialogue is one that negotiates the need for connection and the need for space. When we're not in a, a viral situation, it happens more naturally. Like if I need space, I will make time to go have lunch with a friend and that creates space between me and my partner. And then I come back and then we can talk about that. It gives us something to talk about at dinner. You know, what did you talk about with your friend? But right now it's harder. You have to like literally address those issues because I can't jump in the car and go have lunch with a friend. I have to say to my partner, if I need space, you know, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed here. I need to go upstairs and read a book or I need to go on a walk by myself with the dog or I need us to lay down on this sofa and cuddle. It's both, right? So we're going to take a quick break and come right back in 30 seconds and go grab your significant other. We're about to have a bit of an exercise together. While we take a little breath, I want to tell you about a good friend of mine named Kimberly James. She's CEO of Beach House Treatment Programs. Her website is beachhousetreatment.com, and her phone number is 310-977-4018. So if you're struggling with addiction, trauma, or depression, or for that matter, you know someone who needs help, the Rolls-Royce of Treatment Centers is Beach House Treatment Programs in Malibu, California. BeachHouseTreatment.com, 310-977-4018. Hi, we're back. Mary Kay? Hello. Okay. So this first exercise is one we use when we need to be present and grounded. 
and it has to do with being mindful. And the way that we're mindful is when we pay attention with our full awareness to our senses. So the first thing I want you to do is to find five things that you can see. So look around your room and to yourself, just name five things in the room. And now go to your hearing. Listen for four things that you can hear. Now feel three things. Physically touch three things. Use your sense of touch and touch three different things. Notice the texture, the temperature. And notice two things you can smell in your environment. And notice what you can taste right now. This is a way you can always bring yourself into the present moment. It's called the 54321. So anytime you're feeling any anxiety, a tightening in your chest, a little increase in the rate of breath, this is a way you can presence and ground. It's very calming. And now close your eyes and take some deep breaths. And if you're with a partner, think of one thing that you're grateful for about that partner. If you're by yourself, just think of one thing that you're grateful for today in your world. Putting yourself fully in the feeling of appreciation and gratitude, the miracle really that something could be so positive, could make you feel so good, so special in the face of so much stress these days. And when you have that thing, ask yourself, why am I grateful for that? I'm grateful for that because... And then ask yourself, what is the emotion that that brings you. It makes me feel. And if you're with a partner, now open your eyes and find the eyes of your partner. And if you're not with a partner, imagine another human being. Just bring their vision into your mind. And either tell out loud or think about saying what it is that you're grateful for. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful because. What does it mean to me? And how does it make me feel? What is that rock bottom emotion that comes up when you think about what you're grateful for? Could be happiness, joy, a feeling of love. Sometimes it's just, I feel lucky, I feel blessed, whatever that is for you. So either tell your partner what it is right now, or take a moment to write it down. This could be a good start to your gratitude journal, or if your partner is actually sheltering in a different home, you can text them right now. I just became aware that I'm grateful about this in you.
I want you to know that you cannot possibly be grateful enough. There is no way to overdo being grateful to your partner. There is just no way in the world to overdo that. The research says we need five positive thoughts and interactions to undo even one negative one. So you can't afford much negativity and you need a lot of gratitude to come to set point. So I hope that you'll do this daily. First, you can start with the presencing and the grounding just to get right in your own body and then close your eyes and develop a sense of gratitude and appreciation. Because when you really think about it, there is that. There is still an ability for us to look for the silver lining in this very stressful time that we're all living collectively through. And so I hope this will help you on your day-to-day -day path as you try to get through not only surviving COVID-19, but really thriving. Mary Kay, thank you for attacking this subject, which I know is more complicated than we can cover in this amount of time. And if someone wants to get a hold of you and have a conversation more specifically about issues that they're going through right now, where can they find you? Well, I have a very robust website, www.mkcochero.com. Mary Kay Cochero and Dr. Stephen Tabak, thank you so much for joining us today. I did want to take a moment out, first of all, and thank our producer and editor, Mike Thomas, who uh, is on the other end of this call, and he's recording everything, and uh, we really appreciate him. And by the way, our co-producer in this show, uh, Jane Albrecht, she put this together, and she introduced us to Mary Kay Cochero, and I thank you very much, Jane, for doing that. And I hope all of you can find a way to make this time become productive for your relationships and think just for a minute, stress or no stress, I love this person that I'm sharing this house with that I'm confined to. And so I'm going to invest in that relationship. Have a good night, everybody. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends and let us know how we're doing by leaving a comment. It really helps if you give us a five-star rating, and we really appreciate it. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This episode was produced and edited by Mike Thomas, audio engineering by Michael Kennedy, and the theme music was composed and performed by Celeste and Eric Dick. Thanks for listening. Doctor, doctor. From Kirkco Media, media for your mind.